You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope that you are doing well. We are starting a new sub-thread this week, and it's simply entitled Elements. We're going to be looking through different elements and what they represent in the Bible, how we engage with those elements, and this week we talked about Earth. We've been here in this overarching series, uh, Threads, for eight full months now. Crazy to think that it's already uh, September. But if you've missed any of those, you can check those out on previous episodes of the podcast. Um, So as we talk about elements, we're going to talk about this. Yeah, Earth. I want to make some statements and pose some questions and walk out how followers of Jesus can engage with this place that we call home. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we didn't really talk about the earth that much. Not really in my home, not really in church at all. I mean, I my vivid memories of people talking about others who cared so much about the earth was them calling them tree huggers and like all of those types of things. And so I, I felt like the earth was just kind of this place that we lived. It was this temporary, you know, place that we're here before we go to heaven, all those types of things, which is kind of true, but also I had a really bad perspective. Now in 2022, Culture obviously talks about the earth and taking care of it. Um, And I think the church is doing some work to to get caught up in that and understand that it's not something that we can be naive to, but it's something that we have to engage with. The the truth is, is that God created an awe-inspiring planet for us to live on, and it should move us towards worship and recognition of what God did for us. So the first point this week is the earth was created for us. Genesis chapter 2, 8 through 9 The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The author of Genesis, which is Moses, points out two things that are simple, and yet they lay a foundation of how we are to see this created earth. He says that every tree was pleasing in appearance, that God created something beautiful for us to look at, to be a part of, but also that those trees were good for food. We are supposed to look at the earth and be blown away by its majesty, by its beauty, but we're also supposed to look at the earth and be in awe that it can also sustain us, that it provides everything that is crucial for our flourishing. God is deeply concerned with that flourishing in every sense of the word. He did not create a bleak place that sustains our physical needs and nothing else. He also did not create a beautiful place that's really good to look at, but doesn't function in a way that causes human flourishing. The earth was created for us by God as a gift. Secondly, we are called to care for the earth. If it can be really easy for us to believe that the earth was just created for us. We often don't continue to walk out that truth that we are called to care for it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, this is just six verses later, says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. We regularly talk about how we serve a relational God who cares deeply about our human relationships with one another. But it's also really important that we recognize that we are also called to have a relationship with the earth as well. That God has created us to be in relationship with this gift that he's given us. It's not something stagnant. It's not something that we just live on, but it is something that we are called to work. It is something that we are called to engage with. It is something that we are called to care for. That relationship was created by God with purpose, for a purpose, and we cannot be people who neglect that. 
I think about myself as a father all the time. I give my kids uh, toys or, or I make them dinner or whatever it may be. And I can't tell you how many times I've given my kids a toy for Christmas or for their birthday or whatever it may be. And it is just like three days later, just completely trashed. They've played with it the wrong way. Or we, you know, we get our three-year-old a toy and our nine-year-old and our eight-year-old are playing with that toy. And I'm like, what are you doing? That is not created for you to play with. And now it's completely destroyed. At the end of the day, it doesn't really affect me whether or not that toy is broken. It doesn't really affect me if, if what I have given them it doesn't serve its function because I don't need that toy, but they, they do, they need it to, to be entertained and they need the food that I've made them for sustenance. And, and when they don't like what I've given them, like there's something that pains me as a father. And I think that oftentimes God is looking at us and saying, I gave you this gift. I gave you this perfect place that not only is unbelievable and full of majesty and full of just like awe inspiring landscapes. And, and you should be blown away at the functions that the earth just does that you should just be in awe of it. But also I've given it to you as a gift so that you would be sustained. Don't neglect that. Don't throw away the thing that I have given you. I don't need the earth. God doesn't need the earth to be God. We need the earth to be us. So um, let's, let's think about it this way, that God has given us this place for our benefit, for our benefit. What if we made the commitment to not only be thankful for it, but to actually take care of it. So the earth was created for us, but we also were called to care for the earth. This is where we have to pivot just a little bit, because if we get too caught up in the gift that is the earth, we can get unhealthily obsessed with the gift instead of the gift giver. I want to ask this question. Do we see the creator within creation? Do we see the creator within creation? I think we all engage with the earth in different ways, but we've all probably sat in awe of something that we have seen. I think about every time that I go to the ocean and I just stare at the ocean and I am just like blown away at the vastness of the ocean that <laughs> me and Larissa were in uh, Florida a couple months ago and we were like probably like 10, 15 feet out into the water and these waves that are only like four or five feet tall, I'm like trying to like jump over them or like muscle my way through them. And they're just like sending me under their water. Like these are not big waves and yet they are still pushing me under the water. They are dictating where I'm going, all of those types of things. And then you start to think about waves in the ocean when you're miles in the middle of the ocean, we've all seen like the boats or like extreme fishing or whatever it may be. And they're out in the middle where the it's a mile deep and the waves are getting 40 feet high. Like the power of the ocean, like, unbelievable. We all have those moments where we look at things and we're just in awe of them. And I think about a moment in my life a couple years ago, my wife, Larissa and I were at a wedding in, in Whitefish, Montana, which is in the Northwest part of our state. And we went to Glacier National Park and there's this road, it's called going to the sun road. And it's kind of this winding road that takes you up the mountain. And the views are just like unbelievable. You can Google going to the sun road, Glacier National Park and there'll be really good pictures, but it doesn't do it justice. And the, like seeing it in person is a must. And I remember we got to this one bend and there's this little place to pull out. And so we pulled out and, and, uh, there, they had the, this edge of the cliff, uh, lined with these stones. And I just went over and I stood on a stone and then I ended up sitting on the, the stone and like hanging my feet over the edge, like this, like this 600 foot drop. And my wife Larissa was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like what in the world? And then I'm just sitting, staring down this valley 
in tears because I'm just like, how does something like this exist? Like just blown away. And I remember in that moment, the Lord just impressing upon my heart, like I did this. I did this for you. We have these moments where we get to sit in the midst of creation and understand, wow, like that is incredible. But it's not just incredible because it's there. It's incredible because of the God who put it there. I think one of the biggest challenges we can face as followers of Jesus is becoming unimpressed with the grandness of God. That we can just be so used to how big and how vast and how amazing the earth is and how big God is that we're just like, yeah, like whatever. Like we just get bored with the grandness of God. Let us be intentional about seeing the creator, not just the created and and understanding how big and how powerful and how mighty he is and not getting lost in the creation, but getting lost in the presence of our creator. Psalm chapter eight, verses three through six says, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. There are a million different reasons that we should be worshiping God, but let's make sure that the creation that he has given us is undoubtedly one of them. It's going to be on us to have the correct posture and not lose focus on him in the midst of what we are seeing. There's a story in the book of Acts where Paul is addressing a bunch of Gentiles in Athens. These are Greeks that have lived a completely different life. They didn't they didn't walk with Jesus, and Paul's talking to them about who God is and the, the God of the Jews and the God of Israel and all of these things. And he's having this conversation with them. And in Acts chapter 17, he pulls up on him and he has this conversation about who they are and how they worship. As Paul says, this, for as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needs anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone in an image fashioned by human art and imagination. What Paul's saying is, Appreciate the earth and his grandness. Appreciate that there is a God worth worshiping, but don't say that he's an unknown God. He is a known God. He is the the God who hung the stars in the sky, and he is the God that created you to your innermost being. He allows you to live. So let us not be people who serve an unknown God, but serve a God that we have named, and that is Yahweh, that is God, the God of the nation of Israel, the God that has allowed us to worship him. And for us today, would we be people who look at creation and there's no part of us that says, I don't know how that got there. No, we know there's nothing accidental about creation. God is who he said he is, and he is the God of all things. 
So we understand that God is the creator. And with that, we have to understand that he has also given us the ability to create as well. We could do an entire sermon series on the call to be creatives, but I want to ask this question. How do we avoid worshiping things of our own creation? I fully understand that this is kind of a rabbit trail, but it's important that we recognize that as followers of Jesus, as we create, we can focus on glorifying Jesus, the creator, or we can get wrapped up on what we and those around us have created. Paul talking again to the church in Rome makes this statement about the created idols in their lives. He, he says, hey, you, you guys have, have created a bunch of things for yourselves and you're living in sin because what you're doing is you are creating things and then worshiping those things instead of worshiping the thing that actually created you. Romans chapter 1 verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God, the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served what had been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Paul saying, this is the God who created you. Don't lose the truth of that in the things that you are deciding to worship, whether that would be idols or altars or sexual immorality or or whatever it may be. He's looking at these things like don't worship the created, worship the creator. And we have that same problem today. Oftentimes we find ourselves worshiping the things around us instead of worshiping the God that created us. So let us be people who have the discernment to ask the question, is Jesus in this? We can take care of the earth without worshiping it. We can be in awe of the creation of ourselves and the the gifts that God has given us, the creation of people around us. But can we ask, is Jesus in the midst of it? Am I giving an unhealthy amount of attention to this over Jesus. We can be people who do not get lost in the idols presented through our lives and stay laser focused on who Jesus is. I want to end with this question. What does scripture communicate to us about our creator? And I think that the answer to that is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of things that scriptures communicate us, communicate to us. But there are three things that I want to look at. The first one is this, is that he's all powerful. He's all powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Every time we are tempted to minimize God, would we remember that nothing is too difficult for him? If he created the heavens and the earth and all that dwell in it, why do we allow ourselves to think that our individual circumstance could possibly be beyond him? No, let's be like the prophet Jeremiah and say, Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth. Your great power, by your great power, with your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. So my circumstance, my relationships, my work, my like held this health issue, nothing is too difficult for you. I surrender it to you. You are bigger, you are better, you are grander. Nothing is too difficult for you. And maybe it's us finding ourselves on the other side of that. We would say we recognize how big God is, how massive he is, how vast he is. And so because of that, we don't believe that he would be willing to step into our individual circumstance. But Jesus destroys that argument. The fact that Jesus walked among us destroys that argument. The God who hung the stars in the sky is still the same one who sent his son to live among us, among us to put on flesh and bone, to live the life that he lived and die the death that he died because he was intentional about stepping into our circumstance and saying, I'm not too big to engage with you where you're at. He's all powerful. Secondly, he's creative. I know it's crazy to think that the creator of the universe is creative, but I love this passage in Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. Moses talking about this tabernacle that they're about to build in in worship of God. He's talking about one of his friends and a fellow Israelites named Bezalel. And he says this, verse 31, He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, with understanding, 
and the ability in every kind of craft. He goes on to talk about how it doesn't matter if it was jewels or gold or silver, whatever it is, this guy has the ability, the creativity to work with them to make something beautiful. I hope that we understand that the God who created Bezalel is still the same God who created you and I, the same God who created earth. He has created us to be creative. He is creative in the way that he has designed you. You are the only one who is you. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. Would we understand that as we think about God, the creator, as we think about the earth around us, that we would say, look at the uniqueness of the mountains and the streams and the rivers and all of the different geography that that are part of our earth. And would we understand, man, that doesn't even hold a candle to how uniquely and wonderfully made he has made each one of us. And lastly, he's intentional. Psalm chapter 104, verses 24 through 28 says, how countless are your works, Lord, in wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here's the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There are ships moving about, and the Leviathan, which you have formed to play there. All of them wait for you to give them their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. He is intentional. He's intentional. The earth, our lives, everything in between is not an accident. It has been orchestrated and designed with intention. If we have a posture to look at the world and everything in it, to serving a purpose, we will be a lot more likely to see the God who set those purposes in motion. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.